Welcome to I Am Divine, mastering your intuition with psychic mediums and spiritual psychology coaches and science of mind practitioners, Paula Hunter and Kim Garden. This is Paula Hunter. And this is Kim Garden. And welcome to another episode of I Am Divine, a spiritual podcast where you will discover your psychic potential within by learning skill sets that develop and master your spiritual gifts. We will teach you about universal truths that will empower you to manifest a life you truly desire. We are here to remind you who you are, the powerful badass that you are, the divine I am. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of I Am Divine. And today we have a special guest. We have Laura Dempsey, and she's a spiritual practitioner, Reiki master, author, and owner of Gaia's Greens. Welcome, 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 Laura. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Before we started recording, we were talking about the importance of talking about people's spiritual journeys because we all have our unique experience. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yours? Sure. So I think going way back when I was 14, I became dissatisfied with life and was very lost and confused and really shut down because the outer experience was so painful for me. I couldn't quite understand what the whole point of it was, why, you know, in high school, why there were so many cliques and the bullying and the nastiness. And I thought, is this really what life is? And I don't know if I want to be a part of it. And I would ask everyone, what's the point? What's the point? But none of the adults in my life or mentors or parents could answer me. They couldn't really give me an answer or one that at least spoke to my soul. Mm-hmm. I didn't know at that age that I was more spiritual and that I knew there was more and I didn't have that guidance. So uh, I was hospitalized at 14 for suicidal ideation and I was there for several weeks and basically the doctors couldn't support me either. And they just said, there's obviously something wrong with you. You have depression and, and that's that. So that started a decades long journey of trying to fix myself, thinking that I was broken and all the doctors, the books, the clinics, the self-help groups, anything and everything I could have done, I tried and still felt broken. So I guess it was when I was, I guess I was about 28. I'm not sure the date. At one point I watched the documentary Heal and it was talking about energy medicine and alternate medicine. And then I decided to go for a Reiki treatment Mm -hmm. and she was very much coaching me and giving me other resources to access. And then of course the, the session was very therapeutic and I thought, well, I can do this. So that's what started my journey into energy work. And then I kind of knew, I kind of continued to evolve that I would leave my corporate career at one point. I had uh, about 20 years in and uh, long story short, the universe kicked me off the cliff called it in and um, had to fly and I came across my spiritual teacher and really started to learn about universal law and metaphysics and all that great Mm -hmm. stuff that we learn about so yeah that's about my journey but I think what's important about these podcasts is that awakening or spiritual awakening can be very lonely and Mm -hmm. you go through many many waves of the loneliness or feeling, yes, I finally figured it out. And then it crash again. So I think it's really good for us all to kind of share our stories and our experiences so that people know that it's not all fun and games when we start to know truth. But 
the alternative, if we really want to choose, the alternative is much more painful. So yeah, so I'm happy to share what I've learned along the way. That was so beautifully put. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Something that I was wondering, because I like having teenagers now, when you were first not being understood by your parents, by doctors, and you could feel that frustration, I just want to ask, how are those feelings coming out? Because I know with a lot of parents, you know, having teenagers, sometimes those teenagers don't necessarily feel heard or understood and maybe hearing what you were displaying might kind of bring some clarity to their own children Mm -hmm. first of all as a conscious parent it goes right back for all of us and we all exhibit these types of behaviors growing up depending Mm -hmm. on what age it is because let's face it we are traumatized as children with our developing brain not being able to articulate things or have a clear perspective on what we're actually experiencing so when mom is busy with our siblings and we feel we're not seen or not alone that that immediately starts to impact us. So Mm -hmm. science could be showing up for younger children as well and present as attention deficit, as anger, as hyperactivity, as overwhelm, as anxiety. And then into the teens, what I exhibited was running away, Mm -hmm. not wanting to live, drug use, feeling a lot of anger, temper tantrums, crying a lot feeling completely lost, empty, alone. And like, let's get this straight. I come from an upper middle class family with two very loving parents that Mm -hmm. did their absolute best. And I'm blessed, blessed beyond blessed to have them, but they still weren't able to meet my needs fully because I was a highly emotional child. I didn't want to subject them or bother them with my feelings when I was younger. So it just compounded to the point where it exploded in my teens. And Also, I was a a very high, so I bought my first house when I was 20. I bought my first car when I was 19. I was successful in school. I had all the friends in high school. On the outside, I looked like I had my shit together. And I didn't. I was suffering quietly inside. My parents saw it and maybe a handful of friends. But so that's what parents might see. And just to know that for all of us, no matter what age, when we have behaviors like this or big emotions, that if we can just embrace those big emotions as this beautiful sign of remembering that something isn't quite right. It's Mm -hmm. not that something's actually wrong that we need Mm -hmm. to fix and change and stop. That it's like that being's intuition is speaking and saying something's not quite aligned for me. And as children and teens, we just need support to help navigate to find what that is so that we can redirect our energy and use our energy in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I love those comments. You said earlier that you didn't want to bother your parents with your feelings. And then on the flip side of that, embracing the emotions. And I think it's so important because I think we are taught sometimes or we feel inferior and we just hold everything in. But to me, that does really become the catalyst for us, as you said, waking up or awakening that we need to have those instances that bring us to the brink of despair or of the emotion or of those suicidal thoughts, because if we don't recognize it, we can't change anything. So those can be huge, huge, huge awakenings. The strength comes when you go, okay, what's next? How do I not fix it? Because that was a comment you said too. You felt like you were broken and remembering that we aren't broken. You know, the essence of what we are is divine. But at the end of the day, it provides a path for us to get to know ourselves better and to seek out the growth and the learning for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when we're born fully intuitive, fully knowing, and just can't quite communicate that at the beginning. And also 
as a parent that's experienced this firsthand, I know how challenging it is. When I had my first baby, always trying to fix the baby. What's wrong with the baby? Why is she crying? Oh, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. If I could go back now and with my grandchildren, I'd be like, oh, the baby's crying. Mm -hmm. And I would just like tap into the baby and like feel the energy of the baby. And I wouldn't energize the crying and making the crying a bad thing or having to fix it or stop it. But listen beyond the behavior and say, how can I support this being that something isn't quite right? You know, we get triggered by our children if they disrespect us, the old paradigm of parenting, right? Or they act a certain way that's not appropriate because then we're triggered as parents saying that we're not doing our job or whatever that is, there's always an underlying fear that is triggered in us if we're not aware of it. And we try to change the child. But I know that from my perspective, my father, he couldn't contain big emotions. So if I was upset or hurt, he would get upset. So very quickly, I learned not to express emotion around him because he would be upset. Mm -hmm. And then my mother, she had two younger children and she was a full-time working mom. She kind of carried the whole household and I just kind of stepped up to the plate, you know, and I just held it all in and I didn't put anything more on her plate. So that now I'm reparenting and trying not to be triggered by my own children when their needs aren't being met because I don't always have that energy to give them what they need. It's very interesting to have to explain that to them <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, with three girls that are six, nine and 12. But I do believe that at least I can express to them what's going on and why I may not be able to meet their needs and that I'm doing my best. Mm, I think that's so powerful just to say you're doing your best mm -hmm. and to be able to have that open dialogue, really. I mean, you know, as parents, we put so much pressure on ourselves, but to be able to be very vulnerable and honest and raw with your children to say, listen, like sometimes things can get overwhelming for me as a parent that we don't always have our shit together, but to be able to say, to almost set that example example, but that I don't have my shit together right now. I need a moment. I'm going to reflect on this and take that time, but then I'll come back to it. And it's just, it's such a teaching them such a beautiful process that I think with the people who are doing conscious parenting now, I'm like, imagine what these children are going to be like when they become parents, because they're going to be so in tune with their own emotions. And then they're going to be like teaching that to their children where it really is breaking that cycle of suppression, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, even example last night where Kaylee, my middle child, she's saying I'm feeling kind of lost and then so we sat and talked about it. and this is typical Kaylee's also highly emotional like I was so she's actually triggers me the most and uh, so I was able to hold space last night and listen and I explained to her that I know kind of how this feels I don't know exactly from your perspective but that this is what happened to me and I explained what I just explained to you and she's like wow and then she started to feel my emotions and then because she's empathic as well and then she started trying to fix it for me Aww. and she started saying it's okay mom it's okay and I said, you know what, Kaylee, it's really not okay. And I said, and it's okay for you to say it's not okay. You're allowed to tell me how my behavior impacts you or my lack of support impacts you. You know, wow. so I just take it that little extra step. So even though they're saying it's okay, mom, it's okay. I've now started saying, you know, it's okay for it not to be okay. And I mm -hmm. let them say how it's impacting them so that they're fully able to feel and express the emotion so that it's not stuck in the system. So that even though I might be effing up along the way, <laughs> that I'm allowing them to process 
the stuff as well, instead of them just living with it and burying it. Wow. That's amazing. You're just providing such a safe space for them to really be honest, you know, and express themselves in such, again, in such an honest way. It's that's amazing. Is there any life lessons that you have learned from that maybe you have shared with your children? Like, I know you said you just kind of told a story, but is there like one lesson that kind of stands out to you where it was really powerful? They're all so different, right? Depending where they are developmentally and the individual and their own personalities and their own sensitivities and their human design and, and mm-hmm. everything that they take in different things at different times. So I think it's the best thing that you can do is be an example and hold energetically this neutral vessel of just trying to see them fully. So it can't be taught. It's like it's felt. Yeah, definitely a reason why it is important that we do our trauma work and allow ourselves to develop and open up that side of ourselves, because that is the true essence of what we are, is these sensitive, beautiful beings Mm -hmm. and having the freedom to do that. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with conscious parenting is like coming into the interaction with, can we step out of this needing to be the fixer, problem solver, care, mentor? mentor all these roles and can we just be their partner or their guide walking beside them and just like looking past all of it releasing all of our triggers our fears and all of our stuff like you said opening up so we can see beyond the words behind beyond the behavior beyond all of it that is like a huge master class right there <laughs> I, for sure but I almost when you say conscious parenting it's like you, you don't want to like limit it to that it's like just becoming conscious like imagine like if everybody was like this with everybody just Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like taking that judgment off and just accepting things as they are being open and listening and caring it's just conscious parenting it's like it's consciousness Yes. That's what I heard too is is life consciousness. It isn't just yes. in one area, but being able to attain that through your life with every interaction, everyone you meet, how different would our world be? Mm-hmm. I think I was blessed with that from a very young time because I wasn't as triggered by the the people that weren't as close to me. So I worked in social housing for 20 years and, you know, I've been berated. I've been called names. I've seen some really horrible things. And, you know, I can think of experiences even where people with road rage, I've been able to maintain a pretty neutral state. I'm really blessed that way. But I think so. I think while the parenting thing comes up for me a lot is because that's where I'm most triggered is because those little girls, all the different ages of me that hasn't been healed is brought to the surface. And it's like that six year old behavior comes out in my <laughs> adult self. <laughs> so the temper tantrums, the, you know, all the stuff. But I totally agree that we, if we can just know that everybody's right, everybody has their relative truth, that it doesn't mean we're wrong, mm-hmm. all those like, basic concepts that we're taught in the oneness that yeah it's it would be a lot more peaceful and we're seeing this divide right now because I believe that we are awakening and there's so many people that that's making we're like at a fork in the road right now collectively mm-hmm. yes and people are deciding are we going to wake up and embrace and love and collaborate and connect and become a community or are we going to keep resisting it and become more and more angry? So this is great for us to practice, to observe these people that are feeling very angry and very frustrated and know that that's their truth and that that's perfect for them. Mm-hmm. 
I love how you talked about that as being, you know, being at crossroads is what I call it. And as soon as you said that the guide jumped in and said too, the tipping point is already in place. Mm-hmm. So we already are moving into that place of awakening. It's just, I think people are struggling with how they go about it, which is why so many people's traumas are stepping up in front of them mm-hmm. because it is opportunities for us to finally heal and move through it. So we're mm-hmm. all waking up. I make jokes. I said, you can go willingly or you can go <laughs> kicking and screaming, but either way you're going. Yeah. So the more we have a sense of awareness, the more tools that we can then begin to use in our own lives. But I love how you brought that up. There's so many of us that are intuitive and opening. And, you know, it's that sense of, I know there's something there. There's something calling me. There's something pulling me. I don't know what it is, but it's there. And it's so, so, so powerful. It's been a huge theme. There's so many people reaching out to me for Reiki and they really don't want Reiki. They really just want someone spiritual to connect with because they're feeling alone and because they're hearing, seeing, feeling, knowing all the clairs are coming up and they just sense it. And they're like, what the heck is this? And I can't talk to anybody. So Mm -hmm. it's a huge call for the support network too through the awakening. But yeah, there's so many that are deeply, deeply seeking and alone and just need that guidance and support to navigate this unknown. It's very unfamiliar to so many, right? But I think it's becoming easier and easier because there are more and more communities I'm seeing. Yeah, that was the catalyst for myself and Kim was that push to be that mentor, be that assistant, the helper, teacher, whatever word it is to be here for those. So they have a safe place, because I think that was one of the biggest things is people are afraid to talk about it and express it because they're afraid they're going to be judged. So creating those safe spaces and the mentors are so important. Yeah, that's what they say. They say, I have no one to talk to you. I, mm-hmm. I'm so thankful I could talk to you. They could tell me how they felt the hand on their shoulder. They could tell me that they heard this loved one speak to them, you know, without them feeling crazy, because they know it's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like none of their friends or family feel like a safe space. So that's beautiful that you guys have created that for other people. Thank you. So Laura, you were talking about having some teachers that stepped up for you earlier in life. So did they, obviously they helped you along the way. Was there any words of wisdom that they kind of provided to you that helped you kind of open your eyes and see things in a different perspective? I think it's like a collective thing, right? But ultimately it all comes down to our own selves and our own belief and the little tidbits that we take from it. And I think best thing I can tell anybody on their journey is to know you don't have to know it. You have to don't have to believe every single one thing or you don't have to do it exactly the way that mentor said or that teacher said, or if they're not fully awakened, you don't have to be like devastated. It's like, this is all just information and take from it just like a dream or like a message from spirit. And you get to interpret it with your own intuition of what that deep meaning is for you. And you get to create your own wisdom from it. So that didn't really answer your question because it comes down to my own. But I believe what I've gathered from all of it is that developing your intuition is you are the teacher, you are the guru, you are your master. Mm -hmm. And that all these other people that you come encounter with drop in little tidbits of information or open up, expose you to this person or this book or this concept or this thing. But it's just like a flag on the path saying, try going this way, but you get to decide, is this the right way type thing? There's Mm -hmm. the creative process in action. Mm -hmm. 
as our energy goes out and asks for assistance, those flags mm -hmm. along the path will be put there. And they'll be put there in more than one way, as you say, because mm -hmm. if we miss one, I think I hear that a lot from people. What if I if, what if I don't get it? Or what if I'm mm -hmm. not aware of this? No, don't worry about it. If it's important, the universe through the creative process and what we're doing will provide multiple opportunities to learn and get gather the information we need when we need it. Mm -hmm. And there's no right way to, to do it. Like if we can just let go of the way things are supposed to look in life and just start experiencing it mm -hmm. and not labeling it and allow the judgment and the expectations to just float by and just trust. And I know that like as a perfectionist or a previous perfectionist, not anymore, <laughs> but as someone that also as a manifesting generator who likes to do all the things and do it yesterday it yeah or gathering all the information studying researching having it in your hands understanding it deeply <laughs> I've learned how to just let that I know that if I'm listening to a podcast or an ebook or whatever it is that I don't have to be able to regurgitate it to have a deep understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And I know that in like situations like this, that the words will come when I need the words. So it's just trusting the process. Yeah. This is where I'm so in envy of manifestor generators. <laughs> like, man, <laughs> you guys are amazing. You get so much done. <laughs> You are, you totally are like Paula's got a generator in her as well. And it's like, man, she is on the ball with so many things. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just a manifester. <laughs> it's like, no, but I know I got my own power. It's just, man, like watching Paula go and she, like, she gets shit done. It's so good. <laughs> And I've worked with you too, Laura. So you get shit done too, which is amazing. So I think we're going to have to do a podcast a little bit on a human design, just for Absolutely. some stuff on what that represents. So people understand when we're talking about manifestors and generators and projectors. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. It's so fascinating. So knowing all the work that you've done, Laura, and knowing how important it is to stay connected to your intuition, what is your routine? What is your practice? How do you stay connected? And this is where one of the things where I've judged myself in the past of not having a daily spiritual practice and what that looked like and how often you do it and what you should be doing or could be doing. And I have come to realize that at this season in my experience, that my daily practice is showing up every single day and not wanting to transition from this experience. Mm -hmm. And as much as possible, being the observer and mm -hmm. stepping out of this body, stepping out of this mind and taking wisdom as it comes. And so just creating that space, whether it's a, a minute, whether it's a meditation, whether it's going outside, whether it's grounding, but it's definitely listening to the body. What food does my body want? Do I need water? It's really building that muscle. And that's where I am right now. So it doesn't look like any one specific thing, except for constantly tuning in and remembering, remembering to tap into the intuition and knowing truth, like bringing yourself back to truth, right? Constantly. Mm -hmm. um, that's the practice while engaging in a very busy life with three busy kids that trigger that F out of me. And that's my, my spiritual practice right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think too, is what I'm hearing, like through your, this whole conversation is it really is about, I almost want to say like claiming your uniqueness and what feels right for you. Because when you talk about taking little bits from your mentors, when you talk about your own daily spiritual practice, it is all custom to you. And I think that that is so important for people to remember is that 
you can't do things identical to somebody else and to be able to come back to your own uniqueness, what feels right for you is going to be what's best. It's going to be for your highest good, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as the creator, right? It doesn't really matter. Everything else that doesn't matter, right? It's our, it simply comes down to our perspective mm-hmm. of what's going on externally. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of being human is that we actually get to decide what's best for us and what feels good for us. And the practice and the spiritual practice is deconditioning um, what we've been taught, what our ancestors, you know, bless them, have experienced and um, went through. I, oh my gosh, I just went into to connecting with them and just sending mm. gratitude to them right now. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. Just so much gratitude for the pain and the suffering they endured mm-hmm. for us to remember. I think it's important to acknowledge the work that you're doing as well. You know what I mean? Like in your lineage, if we're your ancestors, like you are changing, you are shifting all that pain that they have gone through with the work that you're doing with yourself, with the work that you're doing with your children, you are changing their history. And I think that that's so beautiful. And I just want to, I hope you see that for yourself as well. Yeah, I see it for all of us because we are one. And Mm -hmm. because when I heal, everything heals. Mm. I love your wisdom, like so, so much. Is there something that's going on in your life right now that you are really excited about that you want to share with people? I'm really excited because I started stepping away from more of the coaching and the the energy work to pursue growing microgreens. And I know I'm here as a transmuter to do grid work and that I don't even need to be working with people to be able to shift the collective energy. So going into the earth and growing food and sharing food that started something. And then just recently I've decided that I'm not going to be doing one-on-one Reiki sessions, but that I want to train Reiki practitioners Mm -hmm. and not just Reiki or energy work. It's much bigger than that. I'm really excited about the training that I'm bringing. Yes, they're going to be certified as Reiki practitioners where they can create a business out of that if they wish. But I feel like this is the grid work is that I get to train these practitioners in oneness and how to move energy and the belief in themselves and developing their intuition so that they can be their highest version and start that path and then spread that to everybody. And so I just this ripple effect that I saw years ago that I create you know, or the butterfly tapping down on the shoulder and just changing that person instantaneously. It's finally hit me that, okay, so I'm a teacher and I'm really excited to be able to start offering that training. So that's the big thing for me recently in the last couple of weeks. I love it. I've seen the videos on your Instagram where you have played like that beautiful Reiki music in the background while you're harvesting your greens and you can just, and I've received Reiki from Laura and let me tell you, it's some powerful shit. So I can only imagine what is being put into those greens as well. So yeah, it's really interesting when you're talking about that too, because it takes me back to, well, it was a book as well, the the Celestine prophecy Mm -hmm. and excerpts in that where they were creating these beautiful gardens, this beautiful food, and they were using Reiki and other energy work to enhance this food, not just from the perspective of the growth and how much faster it grew, but it provided so I guess you can say more nutrients and stuff they were so much more powerful than doing that and I mean if they haven't read the book and I know there's a movie on that now too the Celestine Prophecy it actually shows that section these beautiful gardens (laughs) 
And as you said, the music, here we come back to Masaru Emoto with Messages in Water and how powerful those vibrations of love are, not just within ourselves, but the environment, the foods we're growing, you know, our children's, our families, everything. And when we can step into that and just be part of the flow, it's just so incredible. Yeah. And I think like one of my biggest things is that how I came to this realization was people were coming for Reiki sessions, wanting me to heal them. And I'm like, I'm not healing anybody. You're going to heal yourself. It's the wisdom that comes through. And it's my belief of the movement of energy. And so it's teaching them to take that tool to be able to heal themselves that I feels more ethically aligned with me. I always teach people that, but it's the same with you can give blessings. That's what blessings are. That's why when you sit down at a table and you hear prayer, you're thing, saying thank you and you're blessing that food. You're actually energetically shifting the chemicals and the molecules in that food to be able to provide you with more nutrition. And anybody can do that. You don't have to be a practitioner, a Reiki practitioner to be mm-hmm. able to change the, you know, like what you were saying with the secret of water. We are water. Our food is water. All of it is. So if you can look at that science, and understand that and believe that you can then shift anything. Yeah. And as you said, Laura, it doesn't have to be just Reiki. It doesn't just have to be a certain modality. It is the intention at mm-hmm. the end of the day of what you're sending out. Mm-hmm. That is the the true catalyst and the, the true representation of change. Whether you have the formal training in certain aspects, yeah, it can enhance it. Mm-hmm. But just because you don't have it doesn't mean you cannot do it. Exactly. And that's the, one of the first things that I did with my first class is said, this is, and I do it with my, my clients as well. I'm like, you don't need to be a practitioner to give yourself Reiki. I said that the training and the certification is you having an exchange showing up to tap into and learn about energy and to say to the universe, I'm willing to learn a new something new. And all I basically taught them was about believing in themselves and developing their intuition and their power. That's why I was really excited. I was so caught up with teaching Reiki of being sticking to Reiki, like the Reiki ideals and all this. So I realized, oh, I can still teach that, but I can also bring my perspective as a practitioner into the training as well. So that feels really good. I think Reiki, the beginning of Reiki, I am a Reiki master as well. And I started in 2003. I recognize for a lot of people that was the beginning of the opening from an intuitive perspective as well, because it's almost like we are connecting them in with the energy and then everything inside almost just poof, you know, begins to expand and grow and develop. You know, I think it is a huge catalyst for a lot of people to begin to step into this path. I know it was for me stepping into the work I'm doing now. That was that first step for me. Yeah. And it was for me too. So that's why I continue to call it. I'm No, I'll continue to call it Reiki because it's a more familiar word. And if that is the bridge um, to me connecting with people and helping them connect to themselves, then so be it. (laughs) Amazing. Do you have any words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners? I think it's just finding stillness in, in life and just fully living and enjoying life. And that's can be a challenge for some people, but if we can just as much as possible become the observer and almost hover above our bodies and look down and watch what we're, how we are, how we're interacting and detach from some of the uncomfortable experiences at times, processing trauma. I, oh my gosh, I could go on and on. I don't really know, except for just develop your intuition. <laughs> start listening to your heart live life from your heart's desires love it this brings us to the end of this episode thank you so much laura for joining us today i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i know paula has as well it's just always a pleasure connecting with you i just love you Uh, (laughs) 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Divine. And as always, thank you for listening. Until then, this is Paula and Kim. And don't forget that you are a powerful I Am Divine badass. This podcast was created by Paula Hunter and Kim Garden. We welcome you to join our private Facebook group, I Am Divine, to connect with other like-minded individuals and be part of our special events that will only be found in our private community. We would love to hear your feedback on today's podcast and on any other topics that you would like to know more about. For more information about our podcast, information on Kim and Paula, our special events, spiritual coaching, training programs, or even to book a private reading with Kim or Paula, we invite you to visit our website at www.iamdivine.ca.